Well, hey everyone, and welcome tonight to another episode of Your Questions, God's Questions. It is the 29th of March, 2021, the last Monday in March. Beautiful day outside, I guess, if you take the wind out of the picture. Starting to calm down a little bit out there, but uh, always nice to see that sunshine. And uh, we're going to see more and more of that. So thank you for tuning in. Uh, Whoever's online right now, go ahead and let me know who you are, where you're coming from. And as always, I would uh, challenge you to hit that share button. We're going to deal with uh, with another question tonight. Uh, you, you all are shy, it seems. But uh, if you have questions, that's what this is for. You can ask them live. It's fine with me. I'll put the little ticker at the bottom. Uh, maybe you've been checking in with us uh, on Sunday mornings and, um, you know, there's been things that you've been learning and you have questions about them or just in general questions about God, the Bible, uh, Christianity, religion, life in general. Please feel free to go ahead and ask, all right? Uh, we're going to deal with the question. Um, there we go. There we go. Uh, tonight that came up. In uh, our message uh, yesterday, we were uh, talking about uh, this whole subject of what's so big about Easter. And yesterday, uh, again, looking into the life of Jesus, and we talked about Palm Sunday, uh, which we typically view as a day of joy, peace, celebration, excitement. Uh, But we found out yesterday that the people had expectations uh, of Jesus, and he didn't fulfill them uh, the way that they wanted at that time. They wanted him to conquer the the Romans. Uh, it was the right time. It was a Passover, and uh, they had been under the oppression of Rome. And uh, you know, for them, the Messiah that they're calling out for is one who's going to conquer in a political and in a military fashion, and that is not what Jesus did at that time. And we see that Jesus actually wept on Palm Sunday. He didn't celebrate. He wept on that day because he saw how far off they were, and he saw the city, and um, that they did not recognize the time of his coming to them. He says in Luke, the time of God's coming to you. And he wept on Palm Sunday uh, but we asked the question yesterday. We didn't really answer it. And I thought it would be really interesting to put this out to you. And, uh, oh, good, we've got some people joining in here. So don't for, don't be shy. Use the comments section. Uh, I want to, to put something out to you today. Uh, we talked about it a little bit yesterday. Let me get this going here. Yeah, and so the question is, was Jesus a false messiah. And if you're a Christian and you're watching, you say, well, of course he's not a false messiah. We believe in him. He's not a false messiah. Okay, that's good for you. But um, I'm going to put something out there for you to consider tonight. And that is that uh, of the three major, what we call monotheistic religions, that is religions that believe in one God, the major ones, So Christianity is one, Judaism is the other, and Islam is the third. Of the three major 
monotheistic religions around the world, two out of three of them will deny that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and also that Jesus Christ is God. It is only Christianity that will acknowledge these things. And uh, the two that deny them either believe directly the Bible or have great respect for the Bible. And when I say the Bible, I mean the Old Testament, uh, which is what they're referring to, and even the New Testament to a degree. Uh, I've met Muslims who have a high respect for it, although they will always go with the Quran over the New Testament. Um, But uh, this is a big question, because if Jesus is not the Messiah, if he is an imposter, um, then our faith, then Easter, is a useless thing. We're just kind of conning ourselves into believing something to be true that isn't really true. Is that true? Now you say, but pastor, this is a moot point and all of that. Well, let me let me uh, put it out to you from the perspective of those who would look at the Bible and say uh, Jesus is not the Messiah that he claimed to be. And I'm going to give you uh, one major reason why they say that here. And uh, I mentioned it yesterday, and some of the leading rabbis around the world will say this, and you'll see in a moment that this was said in the Gospels about Jesus 2,000 years ago. And that is that no man can claim to be God. And therefore, Jesus' claims to being the Messiah are false claims. Because he claimed to be God, he cannot be the Anointed One, the Christ, uh, the Messiah, the Savior, as he says he is. And that is because no man can claim to be God. According to who? Well, according to, in their view, the Old Testament, the 39 books of the Old Testament as we call them, or a different order for for the Hebrews, but same content, the Tanakh. And they would say uh, with great conviction that nowhere does it teach that the Messiah uh, will be God, he will be a man, and no man can call himself God. This is a blasphemous claim, and therefore Jesus is not the Messiah. Hmm. Is that true? Uh, it's a really, really excellent question. Remember, you've got two out of three of the monotheistic world religions saying this or something similar to it, and it was said in the Bible. So, if you look at John chapter 5, verses 16 to 18, uh, in the Bible's New Testament, this is the Gospel of John, um, uh, because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, and this, uh, these things are miraculous things, the Jews persecuted him. Jesus was Jewish, and the Jews are persecuting him, or certainly a section of them. Why? These are people who believe the Bible, people who believe the Old Testament. And Jesus said to them, My Father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Wow, that's a pretty strong reaction. Why? Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, again, by performing miracles on the Sabbath, but he was even calling God 
his own father, making himself equal with God. Blasphemy, uh, in their view, and very serious uh, problem in their view, and God bless you, Pastor Dan from Brossard Evangelistic Center. Thanks for checking in with us, and God bless you uh, and your ministry uh, close by. And uh, good, a good friend in ministry. Thanks, Dan, for checking in. Um, so here you see that they take it very seriously that Jesus is making a very direct claim to being God. Problem in their view. You see it in John chapter 10. And uh, this verse is uh, 31 to 33. Again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him. You say, wow, what a violent reaction. Well, this is, a, this is because they feel like their, their religion is being threatened uh, by Jesus. And in their view, it was. And in their view, this is a, this is a very serious matter. Because, uh, but Jesus said to them, I have shown you many great miracles from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? And the reply, and this is the same thing that's said today, 2,000 years later, we are not stoning you for any of these, replied the Jews, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. In other words, you can't do that. You're making messianic claims and you're calling yourself God. No man can claim to be God. There's only one God. You can't be him because he's, he's in heaven. And you can't be him. He doesn't, he doesn't become people. Uh, in, in, their, in the Roman world, you had all kinds of stories and tales of gods becoming people. So in their view, this is a very, very serious thing. Uh, let me just explain to you that um, it's not all the Jewish people who thought this. It is a segment of Judaism that thought this. Unfortunately, passages like this have been used to persecute uh, Jewish people, and, and people who've called themselves Christians have used passages like this to persecute Jewish people. And that's unfortunate because it's totally taken out of context and I mean, we could we could talk for hours on on uh, on that whole subject, uh, but what's going on here is they're saying theologically, the Messiah is a man, and that man is not God. So therefore, this Jesus is lying. He's making messianic claims. He's calling himself the Son of Man, the Son of God, on some occasions. He's making himself equal to God. He's breaking the Sabbath. He's doing all kinds of things that would make him not just deluded, but a, a, an imposter, a deceiver, a false Messiah trying to lead people astray. And that's why you see this violent reaction, because in the Old Testament law, that's what you did with a false prophet, of uh, someone who's trying to deceive the people, someone who's blaspheming, they would execute them. That was the way that it was uh, in their in their law, and you know, in in that culture and in that time. So uh, this is a really really big question 
Because is it true? Is it true that the Messiah who was promised uh, is not God? He's just a man. And so I want to put that question by you and ask you, how would you respond to that? If you were, let's say, and I'm assuming that that most of you on this uh, this uh, broadcast tonight or if you, when people share it, most of the people who are watching it or listening to it are believers, are Christians. Well, how are you going to answer the question when uh, someone says to you, well, where in the Bible does it say that this Messiah, this promised Messiah who's supposed to come is going to be God? Uh, so you're talking about a God-man. You're talking about a person with two natures, the nature of deity and the nature of humanity. Where does it say that? And the two other major monotheistic religions will say it says it nowhere. Is that true? How would you answer that claim? You know, there are, there are scores of self-proclaimed messiahs from the time of Jesus, we talked about one yesterday, Simon Bar Kokhba, which is, uh, I think, a hundred years after Jesus, and um, he came and went. We have coins that commemorate a revolt uh, that he led against against Rome in the second early second century. But um, there, there are scores of them. Isn't Jesus maybe just another one? What makes him so different? And he's claiming to be God. Where does it say this in the Bible? This is a very, very good question. Um, So I put that out to you. How would you answer that? Uh, How would you answer that in their understanding, in their language, uh, using what they're saying? It's one thing to say, well, you know, Jesus... Uh, uh, claimed to be God, he claimed to be the Messiah, he rose from the dead, and that's the reason why it's true. All right, but um, they might turn around and say to you, yeah, but that's all in the New Testament. Uh, And, you know, they'll make accusations about the New Testament being uh, doctored and all kinds of other things. You go on another trail there. But the Bible's a big book. Um, So even without the New Testament per se, is the Messiah supposed to be God? Big question. And is Jesus uh, accurate? Is he telling the truth in what he says? So I put that question out to you tonight to consider, and I'd love to hear your comments on this and your observations on this um, over the next couple of minutes. I'll I'll wait because I know whatever I say, it takes about... 20 seconds to a minute to get out there on your streams. Uh, but while I'm waiting for you to give me some feedback, and that's this broadcast works best when you give me some feedback, uh, but while I'm waiting for that, uh, let me uh, remind you, Easter Sunday, we are at the theater. We're at Cineplex Distrant in Brossard. We'll be there at 10.15, okay? You do have to register for this. If you have already done so, all you have to do is show up. Uh, If you have not, then you do, and uh, that way we keep that registry. That's a requirement that we have to adhere to. But it's going to be a great time. We'll have worship with the band live. We're going to have little Easter gifts for elementary school age kids and under, I think age 12 and under, something like that anyway. 
and uh, have a message for you as we conclude our series about the importance of the resurrection of Jesus, all right? Uh, we were going to do two services, but now it's only one. If you had registered back when it was two, you don't have to re-register, okay? So we're about 50 people right now, and uh, we have room for a little bit more. As our theater uh, seats 200, we're in screen number 10 on Sunday morning. We're also going to have on Good Friday morning uh, something uh, that is coming. We're going to do a live stream. I will send out info shortly when all the details are ironed out. Okay, so where in the Old Testament can we get a picture of the Messiah being God? Again, the claim of modern people who oppose rabbis, and even in Islam there's opposition to this. Um, uh, Where do we find this in the Bible? Here's a good comment here from Vienna. Jesus not only performed all the miracles he did, but we have documented witnesses of his life and all he did. Yes, that is, I, I would I would agree, that's very true. And uh, thank you for tuning in, Viano. Now, the, the, the rabbi will counter and say, well, that's your New Testament uh, talking there. And the people who wrote that wrote it with a certain bias and so on. And we could, we could go down a trail to, I think, refute that argument. But I don't even know that we need to right away. I think we can probably stay in the Old Testament, which is the document when we're talking about uh, sharing with Jewish people. Uh, that's the document that you'd want to go to. Um, but you're you're quite correct in what you're saying uh, there. But let me give you some uh, some food for thought here and keep your comments coming and keep your questions coming at the same time, all right? Uh, let me show you a couple of passages here that I think are really helpful. Um, and some of them you know already if you've been in the church for any length of time. So I'm talking about the deity of the Messiah even in the pages of the Old Testament. If we don't consider the old the, the New Testament for a moment, if we don't consider the Gospels, if we don't consider the writings of Paul just for a moment, and we just look into the Old Testament and say, is the picture of the Messiah, the anointed one, one of not only being a suffering servant, who, which we talked about yesterday, the people on Palm Sunday did not expect Jesus to come into Jerusalem uh, triumphantly to die at all. And, uh, but that's what he was coming to do. He's a suffering servant on the one hand, but he is the eternal judge of sin and evil on the other. So he, he, he does both. And uh, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. How can both of those things be done by one person at the same time? Seems impossible. How can the person come to suffer and to give his life as a, as a lamb? Uh, brought to the slaughter in the in the words of Isaiah, and at the same time, conquer evil, suffering, death, sin. How can that happen with the same person? And that's a question that's confounded people for hundreds, if not thousands, of years. Uh, we believe the answer is that in the same person, Jesus, he comes once to die for the sins of the world. He comes again to usher in ultimate redemption and justice 
and so on. So we we do believe in that. Now uh, back to this, back to these passages for you. Um, let me show you some things here. You know some of these. The de- I'm talking about the deity of the Messiah, even in the Old Testament, where the Old Testament will show us a picture of not only a suffering servant, not only a conquering king, but also God, God in the flesh. And these passages are out of the Old Testament, okay? Uh, So the first one is a Christmas passage. We read this in in churches all the time from Isaiah chapter 9 and uh, verses uh, 1 to 6 I'll read. Okay, I'm going to take a little bit of extra time tonight. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress in the past. He humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future he will honor he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and on those living in the land of the shadow of death a light has dawned. It's a great passage. It's quoted for us in Matthew 4. I put the reference there. But even without the quote, you continue to verse uh, verse 6. You see for verses 3 to 5, there's a, there's a conquering that takes place. This is clearly a picture of a leader who, who will conquer. And verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. This is not quoted in the New Testament. It's only in the Old Testament here. But this specific verse is not quoted for us anywhere by anyone in the New Testament. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, uh-uh. Everlasting Father, or in some translations is rendered better, the Father of Eternity. In other words, sort of the author of time the prince of peace, of the increase of his government, there will be no end, and he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Fascinating passage. Oh boy. It seems to be that there is a leader coming that seems to be both God, referred to as the mighty God, and human. He will be born. He seems to be a political leader. Uh, He seems to be a redeemer, a counselor, and so on. This is clearly a messianic figure. Uh, This is a messianic passage. Now, people will try and play with it and, and find a way around that and say, well, no, it's not a real person that's being talked about. It's, or maybe it's another king or something. But when you read the passage, it really seems to speak uh, of Jesus. And Matthew picks up on this. In Matthew 4, he, uh, he quotes it, but he just quotes uh, verses 1 and 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, referring to Jesus. That's Old Testament, folks. And you really have to wrestle with that passage to strip it of the idea uh, that the the Messiah uh, 
is God. You have to strip the passage, you have to bend over in a sort of gymnastics of interpretation to rid the passage of that basic meaning. Amazing, isn't it? Uh, Another one for you, uh, Psalm 110. Uh, I'll just flip over there if I can find it quickly. This is this is really um, quite a uh, uh, quite a passage, especially the way that Jesus interprets it. Psalm one hundred and ten, verse one, and this is David writing. The Lord says to my Lord, "Sit at my right hand." until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Now, uh, if, you, if you do have your Bible open here, uh, the Lord says to my Lord, you have two lords there. So the first Lord is uh, the, the personal name of God, Yahweh, uh, we sometimes say that. And the second Lord is also a a title that's used mostly for God in the Old Testament. It's Adonai. So Yahweh says to my Adonai, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Curious passage. Uh, Are there two gods? (laughs) Who's who's David talking about? Is he talking about uh, some sort of king? Uh, The Lord says to my Lord. Is David speaking? David's a king. The Lord, God says to my Adonai, who's his Adonai? Who's his Lord? Uh, very interesting passage. Well, uh, I suppose we can interpret it many different ways, but it seems to be, in a plain meaning, referring to some sort of Messiah, some sort of leader. I mean, uh, uh, sit at my right hand. Yahweh says to somebody, sit at my right hand. Until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Wow, that's some powerful person being talked about there. Who is that? Well, it's interesting the way that, uh, and here Jesus, I think, brings some light to it. Uh, So in Matthew chapter 22, and you do see this uh, in all four Gospels, I think, but I'll read it out of Matthew's rendering. Uh, But Matthew chapter 22 and uh, verse uh, 44. Uh, this is what he, what Jesus says to the people. The Pharisees were gathered together, and Jesus asked them, What do you think about the Christ, or the Messiah? Whose son is he? Is Jesus asking questions here now? Um, when he asks questions, you better listen. So they reply in textbook fashion, as the Pharisees would, The son of David. They replied, And Jesus says to them, How is it then that David, speaking by the Spirit, and he's going to jump to the psalm we just read, so Jesus knows his Bible too. How is it then that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord? Oh boy. So here Jesus is appealing to the common knowledge of the Pharisees that This passage in Psalm 110 is referring to the Messiah, the Christ. That's who that Adonai is. And that's how the Pharisees interpreted it. That's how Jesus interpreted it as well. And so he's appealing to this and he says, Well, why is it that David says, By the Spirit, the Lord said 
to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies under, put your enemies under your feet. So Yahweh says to the Christ, sit at my right hand. He says this to the anointed one, Old Testament. And here's Jesus's interpretation of this Old Testament passage. And he doesn't refer to himself. He's just interpreting the passage. If then David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? Oh my goodness. What's going on here is Jesus is telling them the correct interpretation of this passage is that the Christ is the Lord. The Christ is deity. The Christ is the essence of God. He is God. He's not just human, i.e. the son of David. He is deity with all the authority of deity and all the prerogative of deity. And look at the answer to <laughs> the, re- the response by the Pharisees. Uh, no one could say a word in reply. Ha ha. And from that day on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Because that, what he's doing with that passage and the way that he's illuminating it and interpreting it and telling them basically this is what it means. And he's not referring to himself as the Messiah there. He's not saying this is talking about me. He's just asking them a question. It is a brilliant, brilliant uh, little conversation that Jesus is having with them. I can imagine that they would have been absolutely stunned by what he just said. And remember, he's not calling himself the Messiah in the passage. So this is really something else. This is also uh, the author of Hebrews uh, quotes this passage in Hebrews chapter 1 the same way. And he says this is referring to the Messiah, and the Messiah is the Christ, and the Christ is Jesus. Uh, Christ is just a Greek uh, uh, rendering of Mashiach uh, or, or Messiah in the English, okay? Uh, and another passage for you, and this is the last one, and well, you're quiet, but you're staying in there, so you must be learning something tonight. Uh, the last one is Psalm 45, and there are others that, that you can find in the Old Testament that, that do kind of the same thing. Uh, and this is um, uh, a wedding song, actually, Psalm 45, and uh, it had a tune to it. We're not sure of the tune, but it's called Lilies. I don't know what the tune was, uh, but it was a wedding song by the sons of Korah. And uh, talking about this wedding that's taking place, however, he gets to this place here. um, Let's say, we'll start in verse 4. In your majesty, ride forth victoriously in behalf of truth humility and righteousness let your right hand display awesome deeds this is the the uh, uh the groom that's being talked about here um let your sharp arrows pierce the hearts of the king's enemies and let the nations fall beneath your feet and then he there's something that happens here in this psalm verse 6 your throne O God, will last forever and ever. Whose throne? Whose throne lasts forever and ever? Which God is he talking about? Which Elohim is he? This is Elohim here. Uh, But 
sometimes Elohim is used for men, for judges in the Old Testament, but here you've got an Elohim who's got a throne that lasts forever and ever. Who is this? Who's being talked about here? A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. Wow, powerful individual. Who is this? It gets even better. Verse 7, you love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. Excuse me? So you've got a figure here who's got an eternal kingdom, who's being called Elohim, and yet he's got an Elohim also. God, your God, has set you above your companions. What is, like, this is Old Testament, folks. This is not New Testament. And it appears that, what, two gods are being talked about here? Who is, who's this, who's this king who loves righteousness, who's got this everlasting kingdom, who appears to also have a relationship with a God who has set him above his uh, companions by anointing him with the oil of joy? It is so peculiar, this passage. Now, uh, Again, it's Old Testament. It's never quoted by Jesus, this passage. Uh, But you do see it quoted by the Apostle, well, maybe the Apostle Paul. We're not sure who wrote the book of Hebrews for sure, but uh, let's just say the author of Hebrews. Look what the author of Hebrews sees in this passage. Verse uh, 8 of Hebrews chapter 1. But about the Son, he says... Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, quoting from the passage. Uh, Your righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. So according to the author of Hebrews, who is obviously Jewish, this is about Jesus. He is the figure, this mysterious figure with his everlasting kingdom, who also seems to have a God or is in a relationship with, with a, a God. <laughs> so, so this is illuminated for us by the author of Hebrews, your throne, O God, and so on. Uh, righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. You loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. What you have here, folks, in the Old Testament is a mention in the same passage about God the Father and God the Son. It is absolutely stunning. Now, this is going to, there will be all kinds of objections that, you know, will be tried, people try to raise about this passage. No, impossible. It can't be. It can't be. There's no Trinity. It can't be talking about that. No, it must be a man. It must be another king. It's figurative. It's this, it's that. Again, you have to do all kinds of gymnastics to get around the problem. This is just three passages I'm mentioning for you. There are some other ones as well. What I'm, what I'm saying to you is that even in the pages of the Old Testament, although you've got to look for it, although you have to be open to it, you do see that the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, will not only be a man, but he will also have the nature of deity. And this is exactly what we see in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. And so the things that he said to the religious people 
of the day, the people who knew the Bible, it shocked them. It drove some of them, uh, you know, to use an expression, crazy. Because in their view, he is turning the tables on everything. He is uh, uh, flipping things around. And he is he is more than he's got more than psychological problems to them. He's a deceiver who must be stopped in the name of God. This is the controversy that happens in the week that we're acknowledging this week, what we call Holy Week leading up to Good Friday when Jesus faces the cross. There's a whole bunch of religious anger. Uh, toward him because of these claims of deity and messiahship. And this, this is the crux of the matter. So that's why we simply cannot relegate Jesus to being simply a man or a teacher or a rabbi or a good person. Uh-uh. He made claims that were much more significant than that. And we have a resurrection to deal with if that resurrection is true then everything that that man said was true and that's what we'll talk about as we go into good friday and easter sunday so you've hung in there and uh, thank you for staying with us i don't see any comments or anything so you must be learning something so i would encourage you to take a look at those passages don't even look at them in the new testament just look at them in the old testament straight plain reading what are you going to see? You're going to see Jesus is there. He's there. And, um, and, and it's, to me, it's so powerful as we move into uh, you know, Easter and acknowledging uh, his resurrection. It's about who he is, who he is. And um, so I hope it's been a blessing to you tonight. I know we went a little longer, but you've hung in. So I figured I'll give you give you a little extra for your money there. So uh, look forward to seeing you uh, on Good Friday. Again, I'll send out details probably going to be in the morning. We'll do uh, uh, a stream um, tentatively in the morning, probably 1030. But I'll get back to you with uh, with final details on that. And then Easter Sunday morning, we're going to be at the theater and we will live stream it as well for our online audience. So until I see you again, God bless you and have a great evening and a great week ahead.